Nikola Jokic is the best player in the NBA. What is reasonable for Nuggets fans and analysts to expect of him? Let's talk Christian Brown and how he's broken out of an early season slump and what that means for the Nuggets in the future. And we'll take a look around the Western Conference and get Matt and Adam's thoughts on the West. All this and more on Locked on Nuggets. You are Locked on Nuggets, your daily Denver Nuggets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Nuggets, your daily Denver Nuggets podcast. Part of the Locked On Network, your team every day. Thanks for joining us and making us your first listen. We appreciate you guys being with us daily, Monday through Friday. Being an everyday means so much to us. We hope you're having a great holiday week if you choose to celebrate on your own device. We're uh, late today and look at the chat, man. Popping. Yeah. Absolutely chopping today. Yeah, they're they are hopping, and I appreciate everybody uh, waiting as we took a few minutes to get the live show running. I tried to provide the uh, chat segment with some um, background music to keep them entertained. Uh, on today's show, we're going to talk about the expectations for Nikola Jokic. We'll talk about Christian Brown's breakout. We'll also get to the Western Conference p- picture, not playoff picture, it's too early for that, but the Western Conference picture and get some thoughts on the various teams that the Nuggets are competing with this season in the West. My name is Matt Moore. I'm the senior NBA writer for the Action Network, joined by Adam Mares, director of content for DMVR, where you can find pre- and post-game shows and Nuggets content daily, as well as all sorts of Denver sports covered over the DMVR.com. Appreciate you guys being with us. And joining us on all platforms, you can catch us on Apple Podcasts, where, again, you hear this all the time, the five-star reviews thing. You do not understand how much of a difference it makes. Uh, It's a huge deal for us. It's a huge deal for Locked On. We get recognition from the higher-ups, which helps us in all sorts of ways. Uh, That actually is true. Like, that has come up in conversation before. It comes up. Yeah, uh, hit us up with a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Also, check out youtube.com slash LockedOnNuggets. Like and subscribe, turn on notifications, and you can join all sorts of folks hanging out with us on in the chat segment. Uh, our our right. last so, five-star review, just about Matt. Nobody else. Was it bad? I no, it it's a bad. five-star review. It's Aww. a good one. Oh, thank you. Um, okay, so Jokic got bounced in the win over, to, over Detroit. And I've liked the conversation on social media about this. And I think it's an interesting topic in that, like, if if we can take the, the, the temperature down and just be like, let's kind of unpack this a little bit. I think there's something interesting here, um, which is that Nikola Jokic is the best player in the NBA, obviously the best player on the Nuggets. And he is more the best player on his team than I think almost anybody is on their team, um, both best and most important. And that's not, I, I, honestly, it's not a knock on Jamal Murray or Aaron Gordon or those guys, because those guys are phenomenal and they could not win a title without the contributions of those guys. But it's just simply a reflection of what Jokic does and how the Nuggets have built the team to maximize that, which is what you should do with your best player. Um, the question becomes, what can you expect of him? How much can you be critical of him? What standard is he playing against? And I saw some like comments on, on social media, like Nicole aesthetic had like a whole, had a couple tweets on this where like, clearly like that's a Nicola Jokic account, right? Shares all sorts of stuff about Nicola <laughs> Jokic in particular. And that's okay. Like I think it's good for, for players to have dedicated fans. Um, it's the name of the game. Yeah. I think my question for you, and I have like a lots of thoughts on it is, what is the standard that you feel that you hold him to? Like, do you expect him to be different or the same 
or held to the same standard as you would hold other players that are the best player or amongst the elites in the NBA? Um, do you hold them to standards in terms of like team leadership values and principles like that? Like, how do you, how do you calibrate your expectations for Nicola seven years into his career? The sports are uniquely interesting in that we hold sports figures to the highest standards in society. And it's the name of the game. And as and as and in return, they become the most famous and well-paid people in a society. And I say that to say that if a player makes five straight game-winning buckets and then misses the last one in the biggest game, he's a choker. He's not a clutch guy. He's not five of six. He's a choker. You clutch in the first, second, third round, and then the last round you you wilt, you are a choker. You are not a big game player. And that's just the way it works. So the standard is inherently ridiculous because sports are somewhat absurd in that way yeah so with Jokic what I would say is he has surpassed all reasonable expectations for how he carries himself as a star athlete as a player as a foundational piece he surpassed all of those but he's not perfect and in a moment where he does something imperfect it's perfectly fair and reasonable to say he came up short in this one it doesn't mean that it is a tragic flaw or an all-encompassing flaw but it's just the nature of the game that sometimes guys come up short in what they're supposed to do. And then on this specific one, so I am with you. And look, here's the, the first thing I'll say about the specific injection. <laughs> You'll take offense to this. Everybody responded exactly as it could have been predicted, in my opinion. Everybody's response to that, meaning yeah. of all analysts, followed exactly like, oh, I'll bet Matt's going to point out that Yoke can't do that to his team in a game they're supposed to win, yeah. because that's true. And you know, Swipe, our other co-host, is going to point out that Jokic gets officiated poorly and that was a quicker whistle than, say, a Draymond Green would ever get. Yep. And that is true. Like, these things are all true. And you pick the avenue that sort of is the thing that's most important to you or the lens that you look at. So I think all of these things are, are accurate and true. Um, and that's the nature of the game. But I do agree with you that Yoke, look, am I surprised Yoke got thrown out? I My first note when I was writing notes for that game was Yoke's going to get thrown out tonight. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's amazing. Uh, so I'm not I'm not surprised. Yeah. I'm not I'm not surprised by it. And it's not that he can't make mistakes, right? Because right. there's a difference here in account of, when we talk about accountable. And there's two comments I want to get to. Um Freddie says we have no right to criticize him in my opinion regardless of circumstance. I'm never going to be able to get there, disagree. guys. Yeah, disagree. He makes 35 million dollars a year. He's the best player on the team. He's the team leader. He plays in front of millions of fans. There are expectations that are put on you. And then, like, yeah. ultimately, I, I just always go back to the Mad Men gif. That's what the money is for. Yeah. You know? And, like, my job, as it is, is to, like, say, like, this is what happened. Right? Right. And it's not a moral failing. Who can Like, everyone's like, can we just calm down about the Detroit game in November? Because that's the other comment here from Danny. Oh, well, the other thing is, is that it's like, man, no, this is why we're sport. This is why you're tuned in is because you care about the Detroit game in November. November. So we can talk about these things and understand that they are not almost certainly not meaningful in the large scale picture of this. But this show both looks at the 10,000 foot view and the microscopic view. And we might be talking about the microscopic view of this ejection right now. But don't mistake that for thinking that it means something for the bigger view. Right. Please keep in mind, we're, this is what Danny says. Please keep in mind, we were talking about a game in November against Detroit when talking about should we hold Jokic accountable, uh, crying, laughing, crying, laughing, uh, sad, laughing, crying, laughing. Um, by the way, the emoji used in, in, in our world dictates a lot more tear shed than, than there are. And I just I worry for everyone's <laughs> hydration, uh, given the, the assumptions there. I think 
part of my thing is just like, yeah, no, Joker shouldn't have gotten ejected. He should have been able to recognize like, hey, they're these officials are out of control and amped up. And everyone's like, he shouldn't have to do that. I'm not disagreeing, but you got to deal with what's in front of you. Like, if you, it, uh, this is the, one of the gaps is if I say Jokic should not have gotten himself ejected, the assumption is that I'm defending the officials. No, I've said they officiate him badly. I've said he gets a bad whistle. I've said that. Like I've said, he, that pretty- he also has frustration that was boiling over. So this is the thing: is I think that he had a legitimate complaint about the play in question. And if you go back and watch the tape, he talked to the officials like eight times before that. Like he was clearly upset with how physical they were letting checks note Marvin Bagley get with the MVP, which is a, this is part of it is I think he's kind of looking at like, seriously guys, he's getting the benefit of the doubt right now. Yeah. Like by doing this. So I, he had a legitimate complaint, but at the same time, Jokic has looked more like he is old self from three years ago where I think he has handled his frustrations very well over the last three years, his temper, his mood. Like I think he's handled it well. I think this year through 14 games, he's probably looked more frustrated than he has in the previous several years. And that's noteworthy. Does it mean anything? Maybe, maybe not. But at least to me, I'm looking at it and going, he is upset about something in ways that he hasn't been lately. One of the things I think is fascinating about the way that all sports kind of conversation is now is there's an if then with everything. And this is a problem that I run into a lot because I don't necessarily always people do assume that it's like i'm if i share something it's like well if then what do you think about it and i'm like no sometimes it's just like this is a thing that is i just like describing like the the is because if you're if i'm like Jokic is in a bad place didn't necessarily like want to leave serbia yet played awesome early on had a brutal schedule 9 and 11 to start and they pushed through it we've talked a lot about that road game all of these things getting bodied getting beat up having to take on more without jamal and he got ejected and he's got to control himself better than that because that's the expectation of a player of that level. But also it's like, so does this mean? No, there's no, does this mean? Can, can I give you as an interesting um, paradox to this though? Yes. Because the other thing you do, Matt, if I was criti- critical of your sort of Twitter interaction is you will quote tweet the replies, right? Yeah. And the replies are fans who are making extremely visceral and emotional responses sure. to the thing. Yep. And my thing is, while we're saying that Jokic needs to be better at not having a visceral emotional response while playing the game, I would actually take the opposite approach with fans watching it. I actually think you should be visceral and emotional. Yeah. And unfortunately, today we live in an internet where every thought is also a public thought. And here's my thing is, I don't want to tell fans, like, in that moment, you should actually calm down and look at the broader context. <laughs> Sports are fun because you ride the roller coaster of emotions yep. during them, and it's awesome. A, a listener of the show... Um, after I took the L on the Eagles beating the Chiefs on Monday Night Football, DM'd <laughs> me and was like, what are you doing? Like, act like a fan. You've won two Super right, Bowls. Right. Be defiance. <laughs> right, Talk right. about the officiating. Like, yeah, completely deny this. Yeah, like, you... You've earned this. And, um, and it, it just kind of shows that for whatever reason, I'm really drawn to, like, there's all these, like, because of the way my brain works, there's all this, there's, there are these meta- analyses going on on everything right Right. and like this entire segment has been a meta conversation totally about (laughs) uh, not about nicola Jokic mostly but about the way that we talk about nicola yeah and i think those things are interesting but the difference is i don't know that the interesting doesn't mean meaningful because yeah totally and like you can learn stuff about how you do things like that's how i get better at my job is like i self-critique and analyze what i do like i've understood sometimes that if you see me tweeting out like I don't know, like these flurries that I go on, 
there is a probably 70% chance that I am having like a bad mental health day. <laughs> and my understanding of that has helped me in, in shape. Right, right. Yeah. Um, we're going to do the yeah. other side. On the other side, we will talk about Christian Brown. And we'll talk about uh, how he has evolved and gotten to a better place and what that means for Denver. We'll talk about that up next on Locked On Nuggets. Right now, I want to tell you about eBay Motors. Our partners, eBay Motors, have teamed up with Locked On Fantasy Basketball host Josh Lloyd to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week. If you play fantasy, you got to subscribe to Locked On Fantasy. He's incredible. Whether you're prepping for a daily draft or scouting the waiver wire, every week we're going to provide you with players that are guaranteed to fit on your roster. So let's see who Josh has picked out for us on this week's eBay Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Picks of the Week. Uh, the one I'm going to select this week is Kyle Anderson. Jaden McDaniels is going to miss time, and he's out for at least a week. Anderson should see a boost in his production to help fantasy managers. In particular, rebounding. The Wolves have been an excellent rebounding team, um, and Kyle's going to have to pick up a lot of that, I think. He's a better rebounder than Jaden, too. So even though there's like a, yeah, but he's going to share more time with Rudy, etc., he winds up picking up more than Jaden does routinely. Um, plus, he'll still get some steals and blocks, so he should be a good pick for your fantasy team. Josh Lloyd from fantasy, Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to help you win your fantasy championship. And eBay Motors knows the championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. It's the same with your vehicle. You know, I used to have this truck in college I absolutely loved, and it was hard finding parts for it. And I wish that I had eBay Motors guaranteed fit now because I probably could have kept that thing running more. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof rack, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay's guaranteed fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, but not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. eBay guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers, eligible items only, exclusions apply. We'll be right back on Locked on Nuggets. Back here on Locked On Nuggets. Thanks for joining us and, and making us part of your day. Appreciate you guys being with us. Let's talk about Christian Brown because I was really low on where Christian Brown was at. And then all of a sudden he got on the road and all of a sudden he found his three-point shot and he's scoring more and been really impressive. Um, Adam, what's been the, the biggest thing that you've kind of noticed in the last couple of games from Christian as far as like what's been better about him beyond just making some threes? I honestly think, and I think this is true of all of the bench players, that there is a balance to be struck between coloring within the lines of your role and what you're supposed to be doing out there, not making mistakes, and being aggressive. And I think for most players, this is especially true of Jalen Pickett. I think it was especially true of Christian Brown. And I think it's very true of Julian Strother and Peyton Watson. The, the scale is too far in the don't make mistakes direction. And for good reason. That's the number one thing that can get you yanked out of the rotation. Christian Brown over the last, I don't know, three or four games seems to have said, I've got to take risks. I've got to like be aggressive and try to do things. And I might make some mistakes along the way. And as a result, he's attacking the basket. He's taking shots. He's taking risks. He had a spin move the other day that I don't think I've ever seen him try. That's a risk. That's a thing where he's like, okay, I practiced this. I know I can try it. And he, and he actually smoked the layup. He missed it. But it was one of those ones where it's like, good. Yes, that's what they need. They need somebody that is not just playing it safe every time because safe is leading to a very ugly half-court offense. It's funny that you mentioned this because I'm, I'm doing a lot of work on the Celtics right now, and I was watching a lot of their possessions, good and bad. And um, the second unit for the Nuggets can sometimes look a little bit like the Celtics starting unit, and that may sound absolutely insane. Um, a lot of this is that they don't create a lot of – there's no mechanism with that second unit to really drive – 
um, driving kick. There's no nothing to leverage the defense with the screen. They don't necessarily have one of those guys. They don't run all that much pick and roll, period, in Boston. Um, now with Denver, it's like they literally don't have the guys that really execute it, or at least the coaching staff doesn't think so. And so you have like a lot of this like guy, like five guys standing around in the perimeter, kind of passing it back and forth. And then one guy drives and kicks. Oh, they made a rotation. I guess we'll just kind of do it this way. But the bigger thing, um, the point here is that one thing that Boston is very good at with the starting unit, obviously, is their guys are able to individually make plays to leverage and force the defense out of just staying home. And once you start to use it, like you said, take more of those risks, there does have to be a level of aggression. And it's got to be, I do think, from some guys like Christian Brown and Peyton Watson, because yeah. the defenses know that it's like, yeah, Jamal and Reggie are going to try and do this one on one. Like they're going to try and isolate and break us down and then kick to a shooter. If, if you tell any defense that most of the, not all the time, there are certain bad ones, but most of the time they're going to be able to defend it pretty well. So I think to your point, you know, Christian being more aggressive in, okay, this is a guy that we weren't necessarily expecting to create off the dribble and to be this aggressive that changes the equation for how the defense approaches defending that second unit. And, you know, on top of it, Christian's been much more confident with taking shots and knocking them down. And that's helped too. And I think those things go hand in hand, right? There's, It's so hard to make shots when you're worried about missing shots. It's the hardest thing in the world. And I think all of those guys are worried about missing shots, worried about losing the ball on a drive or, or what have you. Somebody put in the chat, you know, that Christian actually has a good handle. I don't know if he has a good handle. What I would say is he, Julius Randle is maybe the best example of this in that Christian Brown is really strong. He's stronger than the guys he's driving against usually. And there is a risk reward between trying to poke the ball away and getting hit in the chest by a guy bigger than you. And Julius Randle, this is why I say he's the best example of this, is when you're guarding Julius Randle, half of your mental energy is on the hit he's about to hit you with because he just bangs on you all the way to the basket. And you're like thinking about, God, don't get hit. I think Christian Brown has this where he's a big body and he kind of leads with his shoulder as he's driving or leads with his hips. And you're just constantly off balance you know, to try to attack him. So I think that's why he's effective. But he's been great. I think I'll say I'll say this. I think it, this is the new Christian. Like I don't think he's on a hot streak. I think oh. that he needed to get this mental block out, um, and he's over it. And I don't think he's going to score 18 points a game like he has over his last four. But I do think that he's just going to be a more competent offensive attacker, um, and certainly a more confident one. And it'll be mixed results. He'll have some cold nights, but I just think that he'll be doing it or attempting to do it every night now. Um, the Chaz mentioned several times, it doesn't need to be mentioned that he had that ankle injury in preseason, missed all of it. And MPJ yeah. said, like, it takes a while for you to get back into like game flow. After exactly what it time. looks like to me. Yeah. Um, I will say that I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> predictably, predictably, as you mentioned earlier, um, more skeptical just because young guys are inherently more inconsistent. And so that's one of but the will challenges. He be a, I think he'll be inconsistent, but will he be an inconsistent an approach? Yeah, that's a good point. Good point. Yep. He'll, he'll be, be an inconsistent in effectiveness because I do think he'll have some like over eight games. And yep. Yeah. But. And that's kind of the interesting thing here is that the Nuggets with the second unit have to not only find the combination that works and like that's you're seeing yeah. Jalen and different lineups, they have to get that and work on young guys becoming more consistent. And that's really, again, one of the reasons why this is a really challenging year for the coaching staff with the second unit, the starters are very much just plug and play, but like you just put that thing in and let it go. Um, but the benches is, is a different kind of beast. And so it'll be interesting to see how they manage that on the other side. We'll talk about the Western conference and what we think of the various teams at the top. We'll get uh, Adam's thoughts on that. Who are the threats to the nuggets? Who's better? What's the overall layout of the Western conference? We'll talk about all that and more on the other side on locked on nuggets. 
Let's talk about FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. I think I like the Broncos this weekend. Like it's PJ, <laughs> like, like it's a backup quarterback. I know that defense is really good, but like the offense has been fine. Are the and, are the Chiefs and Broncos headed in opposite directions? They are. They they truly are. Uh, and so there might be an opportunity to, 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 if you're signed up for this, just go ahead and get a bet in on those Denver Broncos. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app's so easy to use. You got spreads, player props, over unders, and more. Uh, yesterday, there was the highest total in NBA game in, in, in since at least 2003 with the Hawks and the Pacers. Total on that game closed at 253. I had it projected at 268, and yeah. it landed in the 300s. So Wait, what? Good. Hit. It was double overtime, right? Double overtime. So uh, no, no regulation. No. Yeah, <laughs> regulation, regulation. So. No overtime needed. No overtime needed. Absolutely incredible. One forty offensive ratings for each. By the way, in that game, good times. I loved it. It was a lot of fun to watch. But you can find all sorts of things to bet on at Fanduel.com. So visit Fanduel.com/slash/lockedon and kick off the NFL and NBA season. Fanduel, official partner of the NFL. We'll be right back on Locked On Nuggets. Back here on Locked On Nuggets. Thanks for joining us and making us part of your day. Appreciate you guys being with us on a Wednesday. Uh, programming note, um, because I am a hero that you uh, deserve and, and don't need, uh, I will have a podcast for you on Thursday on Thanksgiving, recapping the Nuggets game on Wednesday night. I will uh, I will have your recap for tomorrow. Uh, give and swipe of the day off for him to hang out. Uh, Adam's with family. And then uh, Adam and Swipe should be back with you on Friday. And then obviously uh, World's Finest next Sunday. All right, let's talk about the Western Conference, my man. Um, and I'm sure that you've ta- you've talked about all sorts of teams. Just a quick shout out for um, for Adam on the All NBA podcast with uh, t- appreciate with it. Legler. It's absolutely phenomenal. You're gonna learn something. Go check out that. It's like this show, only smarter. Um, and so let's look at the Western Conference. Uh, hey, guess guess who I have power rated as the number one team uh, in the Western Conference? Mm, who would you have power rated? Who would you have power rated? Because it, it implies that it's not the Minnesota Timberwolves who are literally number one in the standings. It implies it's not the Nuggets. Would you go with Sacramento? The Oklahoma City Man, Thunder. Come on. I have <laughs> come them on. I have them tied with the number one team in the league with the Boston Celtics based off my numbers. <sighs> Top right. five in offense and defense. They're really All good, right. man. They're really good. Shea's such a beast. Chet's so good. Isaiah Joe. All Aaron right. Wiggins. Right. What? It, their front court. Come on. Come. I love the Thunder. I love them. I think, I'm think i with you that I think they're really good. But there are teams when you can see the flaw and you're like, okay, that flaw is really big. Yeah. And their flaw it should be noted like, that this on. is a power rating based off a of regular season performance. Yeah, okay. If so you think, ask me well, let's see at their rating. record right now. They are 10 and 4. So you think they have a, a real shot at being the number one overall seed? Yes, I do. Yeah. They are. That's, that a, that's a more interesting question. Yeah. I think that, they, you know, because look, the Wolves are going to miss Jaden McDaniels. Um, I looked at kind yeah. of their rotation and based yeah. off, of the, off of the performance, I had to downgrade them a little bit, um, yeah. even with how much I love slow-mo. So, um, and you kind of see it where I had Anthony Edwards on the MVP tier two list um, that I started and it's too early for MVP talk, but that's fine. But it, it does kind of, the bigger point here is that if you really kind of compare Anthony Edwards' numbers to some of the other MVP candidates, you're kind of like, oh, no, that's not like, Ant's really great in selective situations. Like there are parts in a game where I absolutely want Anthony Edwards but the overall production quarter by quarter, minute by minute, isn't as good. And they're still trying to get that offense up to speed. Like if the defense slips at all, 
as much as I like Minnesota and think they're going to be a top four seed, I think that they're, um, I think that maybe there will be some times that it'll get a little bit tough for them as the season kind of progresses and you get tired and all those types of things. Okay. Who do you think is the best team in the West right now outside of like Denver? I, mean, yeah, Denver, I think is the best team. If you're talking regular season, the team that I'm really high on probably higher than most is the Sacramento Kings. Really? You know, they, uh, they were without De'Aaron Fox. I mean, I think everybody looks at a team like that and says, oh, well, aren't they the same team as last year? And we know how that went. Well, first of all, it was a seven-game series against the Golden State Warriors, which was a tough one, you know, that required a 50-piece from Steph Curry to, to yeah. put them down. Like, I think that we overlook sometimes a tough first-round uh, series and you say they are nothing. And then number two, De'Aaron Fox, to me, is better than he was last year. This yeah, is a is. guy that is, like, leveling up as a player, and he's their most important player. The Kings are like the Nuggets inverted. They have, you know, Jokic is the number one, Murray the number two. I think Fox is the number one and Sabonis the number two. So it's I kind agree. of like, what would this team look like if it was the other way? And Fox is really good. And then their role players are great. They have such great shooting. And I know that's going to be volatile. Like if they lose in the playoffs, it's going to be because they didn't shoot the three ball well in a key game. And everyone's going to be like, I told you so. <laughs> but at this very moment, they have so many great shooters and they have a, and the guy Keegan Murray to me is the most imp- interesting one. I think you should think about him like Mikhail Bridges. Yeah. I think he's on a Mikhail Bridges-esque timeline where he's a great defender with great length a very good shooter and he has more to his offensive game than he shows, but it's like, it's a process. Like let's build this the right way. And we're going to have a really good player when it's all said and done. So to me, I look at them and I go, the Kings are a really good team and they're not just what they were last year. They're a better version of that. They are a better version of that. I agree. I think one of my hesitations is that it's tough. I really like Sabonis. I enjoy watching him as a player. However, when we talk about this level, I have to kind of like look at who like, okay, who's like the weak point and he's who I keep coming back to. I don't like yeah. him in matchups versus big teams. I don't like, and there's a lot of bit of size in the West, right? Like they had, they were in a bad spot back to back in new Orleans. Like that's a tough spot. I get it. Yeah. But I did watch like JV was able to do just a bonus. What Jokic did to JV. Right. Mm-hmm. And Zion slicing through them because they don't have that kind of size. Like their backup center is JaVale McGee. And that's really tough. I love Keegan. Keegan's absolutely like, he is one of those guys that whenever I watch Kings games, I just love everything that he does. Um, but they're, player, man. I love him. The difficulty of not being really able to place a bonus at four, but needing more size causes, I think, a lot of issues with them, which is one of my kind of hesitations on them. I'm a little bit less. I think that Sabonis became a bit of a scapegoat in the playoffs last year. I, th- I think that he was clearly a problem, but I think that it became it's become a little overstated what like whether or not you will be able to protect him from that going forward. And then also like they have so many shooters, man. They're they're one of those teams that can beat you no matter what when they're having an on day. You know, like when when they are making yeah. their threes, they have a forty five percent shooting night from three as a team. It's like, yeah. yeah, I don't care how well you play, they made their shots tonight, yeah. and yeah. they're capable of doing it. The other team that I'm high on higher on than everyone else is New Orleans, and this one's so hard to be high on. They're seven and seven for a reason, and the reason is I hate their two superstars. They're so good. <laughs> they're so good. They're so yeah. insanely talented, and I have no faith in them. But I think they have the best supporting cast. Like outside of those two guys, if you go, okay, what are guys three through 10? I think they have the best three through 10 in the NBA and they have an insanely good defensive wing core. Insanely good. Herb Jones and Dyson Daniels are two of the best in the, all of the NBA at guarding. And you mentioned, and you mentioned this on Twitter that um, Trey Murphy's not even back yet. 
Like that's another guy. He was another guy so, I love. Yeah. He's so good. They got GTA back the other night who I love. He's one of my favorite guys to watch in the league. Um, let me ask you this. Would you like the two superstars at the top if it was just one of them? Because I would. No. Well, I mean, again, it has nothing to do with that. It's them specifically. Like if you mm. took similar talents to Ingram and like if that team was Paul George and I don't even know. There's no Zion comp. You know, that's, yeah. that's the hard thing is you can't really come up with a guy that reminds you of him. But if you had two guys that were somewhat in the same category as talents, but they were just different dudes, I would be all in on this. Yeah. team. I yeah. don't buy those two guys as winning. Like, I don't want to say as people, that sounds too harsh. I don't buy that those guys have the drive to do this. They miss too many games and for weird reasons and have too many distractions off court. But when they're playing, like that roster is a real tough puzzle to solve. The The way that I, I think about the Pelicans is this. I watch the Pelicans and I hate absolutely every decision that Brandon Ingram makes. <laughs> and I see Zion Williamson's frustration with every decision that Brandon Ingram makes. And then I also return to, but Zion's got to deal with that and be better. He can't yeah. pout during these games. We talked about like first segment, we talked about the expectations. Zion, if you want to be the best player on the team, then like you either have to get in his face and be like, Hey man, right. Like it's, this is my team. And nobody in New Orleans feels that way. No one feels that way. That's more Brandon's team than it is Zion's. Or you've got to live with that and be like, Brandon's going to do his thing. I'm going to do my thing. And we're both going to succeed. And that's, I think, what he's going to do. Because he falls into that passive-aggressive group. Um, Zion he, or Ingram was great in the with the Kings. He had 31. He was super He was good. unbelievable. He had the perfect, like, he had a quarter that only Kevin Durant has in terms of, well, he's now just going to shoot tough shots and you can't do anything about it. You just have mm -hmm. to wait till he cools off. You know, here's what it is. I found the, I found a comp, and it's not perfect. If you swap Zion with Paolo Bencaro and Ooh. Ingram with Anthony Edwards, I think Paolo is not as impactful as Zion, and Anthony's probably a little bit more impactful than Ingram, and they're somewhat similar. That team, to me, would be like a title contender. Yes. Because those guys are about basketball, and, and yeah. I do trust them to want to win and all those different things. So, yeah. um, But anyway, the Pelicans, to me, if they do figure it out or if they just get healthy at the right time and committed, like they're, they're a scary team. Uh, here's what's up. I think the Lakers are better than their record. I also, for whatever reason, at this point, I'm, I don't know, like, there's a lot that goes into my thoughts and feelings on the Lakers. Uh, and so it may not be authentic. I just, I gotta be honest with you. I just don't take them seriously. <laughs> here's um, why. I think I know why. Why? LeBron is playing unbelievable. This might be his best season so far. I mean, it's early. His best season in like four years. Here's here's my thing with LeBron. Do you trust that he can keep this pace up for 82 games? No. Do you trust that he is going to be at this level come the playoffs? Meaning even if he took his foot off the gas, can he reach this level for the playoffs and then scale it up to 40 minutes? No. Me neither. I kind of feel like we're getting the absolute best version of them because he is the best version of himself. And anything yeah. less than what he is right now, they're completely below the contention level. And even if they are at this level, I still don't know. Like LeBron's going to be awesome, but I still don't know if they're better than the best teams. I am. Um, it, it's look, I have a lot of, <laughs> I'm known as the number one AD hater for a good reason. Uh, again, a lot of that's about conversations and expectation. And like, this is a lot of it is I like, I am, it just infuriates me that LeBron can be giving this team what he is every night. And he has to, because his teammates over there going minus 17 every night, like mm. just there are good nights when he beats up on bad teams. And other than that, it's just like, 
I, it infuriates me that, that LeBron can't count on his number two guy that he's supported more than he supported Dwayne freaking Wade in Miami. It's an, it's incredible. Um, I, I am out on the Warriors. I will go ahead and just say it. Like I'm out. I'm not surprised you're out on, but I am, but I am out too. You're out too. Okay. Yeah. Um, so my big thing here is not that like Wiggins will play better. He will. Maybe. I am of the opinion that once you reach a point where these great teams reach for what has always, and this will happen to Denver at some point too, by the way, down the line, when they reach for, for the greatness that they've always been able to find when things get tough and there's nothing there, things change. But you know, the, they, they to me, their upside play now is what the Lakers were last year because this was the Lakers last year. We wrote them all off. Then they got hot in April and got momentum into the playoffs and then went to the playoffs. But guess what? They got smacked at a certain level. Like, they just didn't run into anyone that could smack them. Like, the Warriors I could see getting that Thunder matchup in the first round. And it's like, oh, man, and now they upset the Thunder and then they get a favorable one. The Wolves in the second round, the Wolves weren't quite ready. And But though at some point, they're going to run into a team that's like, yeah, you're not that good, though. I don't think Dallas is serious. And I think I agree. I agree. So here's what's tough. Here's what's tough. Okay. Is you look at the resume and it's, they haven't beaten anybody good. That's it. Period. Their one win over a team over 500 is Orlando in a comeback effort with Orlando down two starters. Okay. And that's small sample. But even if that's what they do, they'll still get a top five seed. If they keep doing that, if you, I'm always saying you kill the bad teams, protect home court. You're going to be pretty good. And it's possible that it's just like, no, they couldn't figure out how to, because they're doing better in clutch situations. And that does matter. Like they were always really bad in clutch situations and clutch situations, like it's variable. What you really want to look for in clutch is not being bad. If you're a really bad clutch team, I think it says more about you than if you're really good. You're probably not as bad as the worst marks are, but it means that luck going against you meant you had no chance, right? we're I supposed to end the show in like 34 Dallas. minutes, 15 seconds. So, ah, we missed it. You what? We're supposed to end the show in 34 minutes and 15 seconds. Oh, that's right. Um, anyway, I think, it, I think it was really good. Do you? Uh, I agree with you in Dallas. I agree with you on everything you said. All right. That's going to do it for Locked On Nuggets. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate you guys being with us. Have yourselves a great holiday. Uh, gobble, gobble, gobble. Enjoy the turkey if you celebrate. We'll be back tomorrow with a recap of uh, the Nuggets game tonight. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you guys again next time on Locked On Nuggets.